Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Welcome to Second Officer's Log, episode 48. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular number one, Jackson. It's time to talk about Star Trek. We've only got four weeks left of this. Uh, yes, after last week's very bad Star Trek, uh, we had a sit. No, we didn't actually have a sit, but there was never a moment where we were like, what if we don't do these anymore? But today I did just tell Jackson, let's not bother with the full beat-by-beat summary. We'll just briefly summarize and then talk about things we liked and disliked in the episode. So Jackson, this episode is called The Red Angel. It is the, I was scroll all the way down, 10th episode of Discovery. It aired the 21st of March, 2019. It's written by Chris Silvestri and Anthony Moranville. It was directed by Hanel M. Culpepper. It takes place again in the year 2257. What happened? in this episode in this episode there is an extended very sad funeral for barely a character arium and it's then... like four or five minutes it's not that long that's extended uh yeah saru sings a song and i was like yes i also love the two towers <laughs> anyway uh then they reveal that they have done some science on the red angel signatures that are from the like files uh and it is Michael. It's her biosignature. She's in the Red Angel, so everyone's now on the same page. We can no longer at least have that hanging over our heads forever. And so knowing that, uh, they did, like we have to we have to get the Red Angel. We have to talk to the future Michael Burnham who's in this suit and figure out what to do. Uh, then they do another bit of research and they find the Project Daedalus files uh, with the help of Section 31 who come to help and with this investigation. And the Project Daedalus files are literally the Red Angel spacesuit. <laughs> it's literally their suit. It's their suit. They made it. It's them. There was no mystery. They had it all along. Uh, and so that's that's the suit. That's the Project Daedalus files. And it was something being worked on by her parents. And, and you know, that's we'll talk about the parents in a minute. That's really a subplot. Anyway, the brief overview of this episode, short summary, is they make a plan to put Michael Burnham in a situation that requires her to die she has to be in a situation from which which she will not survive because then the red angel will appear and save her because that's how timelines work she has to be saved and they have they have to make it that they can't intervene there can't be a way for anyone to save her uh so they do that there's a big long sequence where they do that uh and it shows up the red angel shows up takes off her helmet and it is her mother dun 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 and you know it's her mother because she says mum because we've never seen her mother before because she's not a character that matters so it's a bad twist but we'll get into that in a moment the other big thing that happens is that leland just spells out completely to burnham uh, that he's the reason her parents died and her parents died because they were working on this suit and they were like needed to buy some stuff and there was a there was a like deal for the materials gone wrong he thought he could trust the klingons and that's why uh, they ended up being killed, but then her which he delivers. Alive. He delivers with all the earnestness of someone who actually believes what he's saying, even though that he clearly is not. So this is the thing. I think this episode feels the most like season one of Discovery that we've had this season. Yes, 
I like that about it. I like that there are things here that are presented on the face of it as this is what the plot is. These characters are being earnest with each other. That is fundamentally, you know, not true. <laughs> it's just, but I don't know that. I don't know that anymore. There are things in this episode that are not true that I think are meant to be true. I think we are actually legitimately meant to believe, and they, the writing staff have decided that Ash Tyler believes in Section 31. Maybe that one, but Leland absolutely does not believe that he was genuinely sad about his young ambition and got Burnham's parents killed or whatever. Like, that's all just lies he's feeding her. And, like, it's it's the best truth, which is a truth that is not true. Yeah, I mean, Garrick himself could not wrap a story this good around someone. <laughs> that stuff's fine. And then she punches him in the face, and that's pretty good. It was a good scene. And then, and then Georgiou is like, oh, I needed to make sure you knew because it was important for you to know because I care about you, Michael. I'm like, no, you don't. Don't lie like you might be fascinated in michael burnham but you actually don't care about michael burnham we know this is a lie look at the way you're dressed as you saunter through these scenes i think that this episode plays Giorgio as i think they play her wrong i think that they have forgotten that she's a genocidal emperor I think that Giorgio is absolutely just playing a long game and no one seems to remember that she... Everyone wants to believe in Philippa Giorgio because they all knew her and she is playing them all for fools. There's a few really weird scenes with that. There's one, the stuff with her and Stamets, which is a very funny, good scene, but no one but Michael Burnham and, like, the Admiral Cornwell knew. Like, no, those characters like, didn't Paul know. Paul Stamets knows. No, Did Stamets you? knows. Yeah, but not in, until this moment, unless I had something I misremembered. No, everyone everyone who is, like, main characters of season one knows. Like, Tilly okay. knows. Okay, so it's just Pike who doesn't know then. <laughs> Pike doesn't know, and, like, characters like Kayla Detmer don't know. Okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. But yes. it's very arbitrary. <laughs> yes. But specifically, there's there's moments where Michael is like reaching out and touching her and being like, "Oh, I have this weird tragic bond with this person," and it's played like really earnest on Michael's part in a way that just hasn't been true. She doesn't know. Yes, Michael Burnham is a dumbass. This is the actual answer. I mean, yes, if that's the actual answer, but like, because I think that Georgia would do all the things that she's doing. She's playing everyone. Yes. That's fine. But I think the show wants you to think of this relationship as much more like, uh, nuanced than it is. <laughs> I think the show is deliberately yeah, treading into like fanficy ground of look at the evil mirror universe person and her, like they're just they're gonna meet up and they're gonna f- overcome their differences, but not actually they'll just you know flirt with each other a couple times. Oh, uh, what's it called? Raylo fanfic. Raylo. Yeah, no, I think that's what's going on here. Um, and I guess that's fine, but she had kelpie. She was eating kelpians. Yes. She was introduced eating kelp. I mean, they're super predators. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Leave it all. Just get rid of it. So the thing that happened here is there's a scene where Michael Burnham's like punching a thing, like just a training dummy. And Spock comes in and she has a very sweaty conversation with him where he apologizes and she accepts it. And like they kind of mend fences. And I was like, this is this is not the star trek thing where people talk about their ideologies this is the very modern television thing of everyone has their like emotional monologues and the plot moves forward uh like concretely we're like this is the thing we're now putting behind us because the next arc is about to begin or whatever and i feel like this is ushering in like a slightly less ambitious but hopefully more coherent version of discovery where it's just a modern tv show finally and isn't aspiring to more. And I don't love that, but it's better than what last week was, which was just a disaster. I guess so. I mean, I've, I've so broken by like, it's 
the plot doesn't make any sense there is nothing to hang on to there are no themes anymore the whole thing's gone they need to set up and if that's what the show's going to be i'm open to that but i think it needs to be that from the start of a season i think they need to get as far away from this plot as possible i mean this season is so like we don't know right like if season three starts and it's a bad show still then maybe we'll just not cover it but we won't know because of the production of this season being so fucked right Right, there's no way to tell there's no way to tell because uh, I, I don't think that vision of a Star Trek show, just a modern television show, is necessarily bad. Though I would be very sad. Um, but I think they could like do good things within that framework. Mm-hmm. But like the central mystery of who is the Red Angel is just empty. I don't care. So th- that leaves not very much to hang on to because it, this show is now all plot. There's no standalone well, episodes. I, I like that they just reveal that it's, it must be Michael and then play that just like it's not the biggest revelation. It's just a th- problem they have to solve, like another science problem, <laughs> uh, which is very Star Trekian. Uh, the part where clearly either Arium had lying or faulty information and section 31 also had bad information and just fed it to them because uh, I don't know if you know, but parents and children, they're not the same thing. They're different people. Uh, She would not have the exact same brain patterns as Michael Burnham. That's not how anything works. Uh, And thus someone somewhere lied or had bad information. And I assume that's a plot point because it's too obvious. Yep. We'll see how that ends up, uh, ends up going. There's a moment later in this episode where, Leland goes to like a different part of the second 31 ship to use the computer to do something because he's an idiot uh because they're just still using control yes uh and well, it is revealed they they, that- they scanned they scanned they scanned all their ships for the super virus from the future and didn't find it so they're like oh there must not be a super virus from the future <laughs> yeah they're like oh we can't let the virus come because like they have the the wormhole open um if you've not seen this episode you're not listening so you know what's going on uh, there's a whole the, the, the thing plan. the thing that section 31 apparently forgot is your antivirus is only as good as the last time you updated it and you can't update it for 500 years in the future <laughs> well so they're trying to like and stop they're closing the wormhole from the future that the red angel comes through before the virus can follow it so the virus won't affect them yes which my read on this is that they were successful and control was just already self-aware Yes, that was my read also. Uh, is that the problem well, isn't from is the it, future. The is problems... it they went and they checked all their ships and they didn't actually check all their ships because you can't detect a thing from the future with modern technology, right? Uh, I don't think it's in the future. I th- like I think that the well the no pro- the virus was from the even the virus that affected Arium is from the future it it was from the future three weeks ago but it's still five hundred years in the future technology yeah but I don't think control this week is acting based on from the future virus I think that, that is just control doing that. This is stupid. <laughs> I assume the implication was the control had al- already been always affected by that virus. My assumption was that control... Right. Control in this episode is normal control that has become self-aware. 500 years in the future, that control will send a virus to Arium. Yeah, but I thought it also infected control. Like, not the Section 31 chips, but control itself... Because I, I think I don't think he's interfacing with the control computer. I think he's just interfacing with the ship's computer. But remember, there's that line where we scanned all the Section 31 ships. They don't have the virus on them. But you can't scan for a virus that doesn't exist for five centuries yet. Like, that doesn't ha- that's not how technology yeah. works. Okay. I mean, in, in that case, I guess it could be that the virus, they missed the virus. Sure. This is, this is what I mean. These are all, like, things you can argue about. There are plot points in the air. Loads of things happening. It's meaningless. I don't know what that means. What does that thematically tell us about anything? Like, what are I mean, these differences? who cares? That's this isn't that show, right? <laughs> At some when, point, you just have to make peace with this is not that show anymore. Yeah, and the day we do that will be the day we start recording a podcast about it. Because what the fuck are we meant to talk 
talk about, right? It's still like, Star Trek. I don't know. Like at some point, at some point, Section Thirty One goes and says, "Yeah, we totally made a time suit because we were in a different temporal Cold War with the Klingons that I we miss, never told anyone about." I miss the temporal Cold War. I miss it. But, but I mean, there's a new, there's literally a new temporal Cold War. The Klingons in Section Thirty One were building time suits at some point. After after Enterprise, but before TOS, there was a, a different temporal cold war. Is this going to be under President Archer? I hope so. That would be amazing <laughs> if it was. Oh, God. Uh, but I guess that's my frustration is that, like, you're right. I guess there like, doesn't have to be stuff to hold on to. You can just watch the characters interact. But when I'm watching Star Trek, that's what I'm coming for. I'm coming for people to talk about things that mean things. I mean, so the, maybe my favorite scene in this episode uh, is, so they put Burnham in the thing, they're going to vent all the atmosphere and she's going to suffocate in two minutes or whatever. They all agree that this is the right thing because they need to bait the angel to come. And so they have to basically kill Burnham and hope that the angel shows up to like fix her, yep. uh, which she can do apparently because she has a time beam. I don't know, understand what her healing resurrection beam no is. No one is ever going to mention it. the part where... Uh, in a different version of this plot where that wasn't the Red Angel, where the Red Angel wasn't a time suit, uh, she transported a planet for, like across the galaxy. Yes, we absolutely cannot ever mention <laughs> no that. No one's just... <laughs> uh, she, didn't, she transported a village. It's not the same as a planet. Still... <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, no, I know. Um, like, the Borg can do that, but this one suit cannot. Um, anyway, uh, so... They put Burnham in. She's losing atmosphere. She's about to die. Whichever agreed upon. And then everyone apparently decides that, no, they can't actually do this. And Spock stands at the door going, we all agreed to this three minutes ago. Stop or I will shoot you. And it's the most Spock shit that he's ever done in this show. Yep. That stuff's good. Because everyone, everyone's suddenly enraged that he did the thing they all agreed to do. And I'm like, this is this is the most Spock thing I've ever seen. This is exactly what Spock would do in the t- in TOS. And I love that he's this character now. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like, I like that stuff. In fact, that was one of my favorite scenes. But to the point of it annoying me of, like, it is the closest it gets to, like, being connected to the rest of the show in its ideas and what it's saying. There's a, mo- like, there's a version of this episode that is literally about Burnham's, like, th- crisis of faith and then she realizes the thing she has to do is like put her faith in her own future self like there's a thematic through line there that they just never even go for they don't even realize it's there yes uh yes and all that stuff is left on the table when it's it's not like they they could still be doing this plot and they could still have stuff is my problem yes this could be a show where the writers were not fired for being abusive shitbags and we would have a good show but we don't have that we have what we've got <laughs> yeah and like i understand but like i said i still got to talk about the way that it makes me sad when i watch the episodes because mm-hmm. uh, even Giorgio is like oh we have to stop and i'm like again genocidal emperor <laughs> yes <laughs> genocidal emperor <laughs> yes rubbing my temples oh but i guess i liked when um burnham and ash got back together uh i'm ambivalent to that i'm ambivalent to that only because i don't like they've forgotten who ash is and i guess it's hard to know who ash is (laughs) yes i actually really like the scene of them in the turbo lift towards the beginning of the episode me too Uh, this is a completely nothing observation that doesn't really have to do with like the meat of the episode but there's some really weird camera work in this episode. There's so many like uh, empty space shots where they'll frame someone on one side of the screen. 
Yes, uh, I, I, I mostly I like that one of them in the turbo lift specifically because it, it does a jump cut to Burnham in the exact same position in the conference room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I think that's like it's a little showy, but I think it's better than like the spinning cameras oh, we got with the head teeth. Right. It's way better than spinning cameras. <laughs> yep. Um, but I did notice that being the gimmick for this one. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, what else do we got here? We have the sexuality of Mira Stamets as evidenced to us by Philippa Georgiou saying that her and Colbert and Stamets totally smashed in the Mirror Universe. In front of Tilly, who is horrified that this is happening. <laughs> Please don't tell Tilly what a- sex is. After, after Georgiou comes up to Sam and says all flirty, he's like, ma'am, do you know that I'm gay? I'm a gay man, and that's my kind of boyfriend right over there who is also a gay man. She's like, yes, I've heard such things, but I don't believe them. Yeah, she's like, we're all pansexual in the Mary universe, if that means anything. <laughs> that's basically what she says, which is stupid. And I feel like I don't, given the way that she treats Amir Stamets in season one, there's no way she actually fucked him, there's right? There's no way, she, like, even if he was pansexual, there's no way, she, she could fuck anyone in the entire galaxy before she would fuck him. But she will lie about it to completely own this dithering guy. <laughs> yes. So that's my read on it. I don't know what they're thinking. Who can say? Uh, but Amir oh, yes. Stamets remains straight. <laughs> He's like, I can't imagine any universe where I'm not gay. And she's like, yeah, I know. I bet. <laughs> and walks out, <laughs> saunters out uh, until he flips out. The part where she shows up on the ship, like Leland's just wearing like a normal uniform. She's wearing like a studded corset with shoulder pauldrons, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then... In addition to his, like, plunging V-neck, now Culber has, like, the cool black blazer on top. <laughs> there are characters who are down to fuck just wandering the halls of this ship now. And then he basically goes, like, this is not the actual subject of the scene, but with how his costume is, he goes into Cornwall's office and is like, I, everyone wants to have a relationship, but I just want to fuck. <laughs> he's actually, I mean, he's been looking for her because for, he comes into the engineering lab. He's like, have you seen Admiral Cornwell? And everyone's like, no, it's, she's an admiral. We don't know. She doesn't come in this set. Uh, and then walks around. He's like, uh, can I talk to you? She's like, uh, sure. You're the doctor who died, right? Right? I think I know about you because <laughs> she's not a character that she's matters. Like, she's not a main character. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I've heard that you were a psychiatrist. And yes, I, yep. And so he talks to her about his problems. And she's like, well, maybe you should do the obvious thing that anyone could tell you with like two <laughs> minutes of ex- explanation about how people work. And he's like, oh, very good idea. Um <laughs> Yeah. But the the way that he's like literally, they've like we've got the hot guy. He's the hot guy. Put him in every yes. scene as the he hot guy. Saun- he so saunters funny. in like they're about to shoot a porn. It's amazing. <laughs> like, it's- I'm here to I'm here to check your replicator, ma'am. He's totally full on that. Uh, yes, he's just straight up, uh, gay porn culba. I mean, we did neglect to mention that uh, Georgiou literally calls Culver Poppy in this episode. And he oh. reacts with, did you just call me Poppy? He I does. just cannot believe this is happening to him. That did happen. <laughs> Which raises a lot of questions. One, about uh, what that means in the future. Two, about what that means in the Mirror Universe. Yes. A lot, of, a lot of questions in the air here about language that aren't being interrogated by the story. And it's not a problem, but just bring it up. Yeah. Where did the mirror universe deviate? I mean, the canonical answer we have is when the Vulcans landed, right? No, that is not the canonical answer. That is That's where, the one we've got. Uh, it deviated before that. 
Yeah, I don't know. Who can say? It deviated before that on Earth. When the Vulcans landed was when that smashed into the rest of Star Trek. I assumed the... Mm, I mean, this is maybe a talk for a different discussion. Y- yes. I assume the events of First Contact are when the Mirror Universe splits off. Okay. But th- there's no Picard there. There's no Borg there. Yeah, that's probably why, right? Wait. Are you saying that, the, that that episode says that if the Picard stuff didn't happen... If the Borg didn't come down and, and attack the thing... the meaning of life. Yes, then drunk-ass Zephyrin Cochran would see a Vulcan and shoot it. I, I hate it. I hate <laughs> it so much. So you're saying that Star Trek didn't get over... Like, the humanity didn't get over itself because of, like, fighting a war. It got over itself because fucking Riker came back and explained to everyone what the future was. Otherwise, they'd have killed the Vulcans on sight. This has been my read for years, yes. I'm so mad. I just always assumed that Earth was... Di- no. <laughs> ah! What the fuck? God. Yeah. God. Yeah, this show. I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it more than me, I guess, because I was completely lost. I just... Uh... Uh, also, this is an episode about like Burnham and Tilly and Stamets and Georgiou, and the one time that there's a big scene with Christopher Pike, he's being a gormless idiot captain as the characters tell him, you need to shut up, sir, and let us do the things we do. We're the main characters. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is Discovery. These are the main characters. Yeah, no, the fact that I is he's the best of Starfleet. Pike's the best of Starfleet, apparently. <laughs> yeah, fuck off with that shit. Like, give me these characters getting stuff done and then going up to him and being like, sir, we're going to do a crazy thing. And he's like, well, you're the main characters. I'm just the captain. Go right ahead. It begins with a slow-motion, multi-voiceover, Saru singing a song funeral for a character that never mattered. Yeah, I mean, that stuff's not great. (laughs) No, it is not good. It's terrible. I don't think it's terrible. I mean, look, the part where Arium died and everything is all bad, yes. The part where the funeral is a little hokey because you don't care about the characters, sure, but whatever. I mean, funerals in Star Trek are always like this. It's one of these. I don't think that part's weird. I really like the scene where Nan goes up to Burnham and is like, sorry, I killed your friend. And Burnham's like, no, you did the right thing. You, you, You are the one who didn't fail here. I'm the one who failed. And they shake hands and it's very good. I'm like, yes, this is what the show should be all the time. The stuff that we complained about in the last episode is like, you created connections between characters that didn't exist before. This episode creates connections between characters that didn't exist before, but doesn't immediately pay them off in like the tragic twist. So yeah. it's a good television show instead of a bad television show. And if they like double down on that, then I'm being back on board for next season. But because of the like overarching plot stuff, it's just very hard to... Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't fundamentally care about who's in the Red Angel suit. Like, I, I'm glad it's her mom. I guess the part where her mom is Amazing Spider-Man secretly been working for Section 31 this entire time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then the music with Lord of the Rings plays. <laughs> yes, uh, sucks. But also, there's a scene where a fucking giant red vortex shows up and an angel falls down to Michael Burnham. I'm like, man, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it it does a thing that I hate the plotting because I just it, it frustrates me a lot in terms of how it is structured in a television sense because it's all the things I didn't like about TV like a decade ago in yes. that every single every single plot point will have a massive reveal at the end of an episode and then a slightly different reveal at like the title card. Uh, yes, and all like the plot is never the plot that happens; it is all. Um, treading water until a cliffhanger 
And then there's another. But I mean, one. for me, Star Trek is about the moments where it's treading water and the characters interact in ways that like bolster the connections between individuals. That's always what I'm looking for in Star Trek. I'm always looking for that, but I'm looking for that to be like the main emotional content. And when they don't make that the like reason to be there, it can feel a bit like this is the version of when we talked about how if DS9 would may- be made today, they'd always be like, "Oh, we found an orb at the end of every episode" type thing. This yes. is that. This is literally that. Yes, hell I know. Real. But I still like when Nan and Burnham interact. When Burnham interacts with Ash like when these characters are in the same space as talking to each other and it's like they're doing stuff to advance the story but actually you're just seeing these personalities bounce off each other i think that stuff works in this episode mm-hmm. i guess so it, I, it, I... it gestures towards a version of this show that doesn't frustrate me and like while i think the main plot is still like a thing i wish it wasn't i like granted that we're going to be dealing with the red angel until the end of the season oh, yes. i think that this stuff's fine um, i hope it wraps up well and then we can all like i hope there's a hard wrap up and they have a new start next season I think the, the like the amount that they announced it's Burnham and then revealed it wasn't Burnham all in a single episode. Like the Red Angel's here now and it's you know Kima in a cyber suit. <laughs> it's Kima because yeah, so she's revealed and because we don't know what her mum looks like, not been a character we've been introduced to. That's not the reveal you get if you've watched the Wire. You're like fuck, it's Kima, uh, and that's who it is. Uh, which is always yep. nice to see Kima, I guess. Yeah, my reaction was, man, The Wire was a long time ago, huh? Yes, yes it was. The first season was 2001, I think? Mm. Then two, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Leland got stabbed in the eye. He's clearly going to be back with an eye patch or a cyber <laughs> eye or something. So one of my friends asked if it meant that he's dead now. And I'm like, no, he's going to get an eye patch. Does, I, I know an eye patch set up when I see an eye patch set up. Yes. <laughs> You're stabbed in the eye. That doesn't have to be lethal. I don't think they're going to kill Leland off because literally he's the the vehicle to the best stuff in the show, which is Georgiou owning Leland all the time. Yeah, because she doesn't want to kill Leland. She, who, maybe yeah. who does she get to own? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I 100% think we get Eyepatch Leland, which means that yep. he has to try to look even cooler than he... like Because he's not cool. He's the least cool person, but they put him in his like Section 31 leather jacket. Yes. Imagine he how... just reminds me, if anyone watches Arrow, he reminds me of the cop in Arrow, who is like the dad of Black Canary or whatever. And he's just like an alcoholic shitbag, but he just, he constantly tries to look cool by just ha- not shaving and having like sh- like a buzzed head. And it's not cool. It's not a good look. It, it just makes you look like the most dad in the world. It doesn't matter what show it's in. Now add an eye patch to the mix. And it's cooler still not cool it's just a dad trying harder to look cool (laughs) yeah he could just get another eye no he's getting an eye patch (laughs) yeah kayla detmer's got an eye he could get one of those he's not he's gonna get an eye patch right we have a character on this show that has the cybernetic implants that what if it what if it's the metal gear solid 4 like cyber eye patch (laughs) he's got the solid eye (laughs) yes that has to have come with a shot of like pov looking at all the scanning Yes, absolutely. This just makes uh, Geordie's visor much funnier. Yes. I mean, we've already seen, like, a proto-visor of this in this universe. Sure, but, like, the technology that exists here is much more advanced than anything in TNG. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, at some point, I think it's in season two, Pulaski does go, you know, I could just, like, grow you new eyes. And he's like, yeah, but it wouldn't have the functionality of what I got now. So I'm happy with my visor. The thing with his visor... Because the thing with Jordy Jordy's been is he blind from birth, right? Yes, he was blind it's, from birth. Like it's not that his eyes stopped working; he's just the pathways yes. don't line up. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. 
So this is all he knows until until yep. he does get new eyes, which he can zoom in with. Well, until until the time where he grows new eyes organically because of the oh, right. time distortion of the three enterprises. Maybe Star Trek's always been bad. Maybe it's fine. <laughs> I mean, this is my reaction watching this episode was, you know, if I watched Enterprise week to week or if I watched Voyager when it was on, I'd probably be mad all the time, too. Uh, I fundamentally think this is different than those shows. I think it's bad. I don't think it's I don't think it's that much worse than Enterprise. I don't think it's worse. I do think that the design of it as a modern television show is so much more against my sensibilities. Like, that's fair. Like, Enterprise, that's just a taste thing at that point, right? Yeah, I don't feel like the one saying it, right? Like, yes. Uh, um, Enterprise, at least the first season of Enterprise, is always a new episode the next week. It will always be a plot that is dealt with in the week. It will not be a massive cliffhanger for the most part. I mean, I like this more than if I was watching the Zindi arc one episode at a time. Yeah, but that's the bad season of Enterprise. Well, this is hopefully the bad season of Discovery, right? That's my hope as well. But like I say, we're yes. I guess, yes. If yeah. we're in the middle of the Zindi arc, we'd be furious. Like, yeah. imagine tuning in and fucking Archer's gone, started torturing people. And then you got to wait a week. And the best thing that ever happens is he's stuck in a shuttle with a Tellarite for an <laughs> entire episode where nothing happens. Nothing happens. God. All right. You know, you know what? <laughs> you know what? That might be true. Do we have anything else to say or are we done? Eh, you know, this will continue. We'll suffer through this show one way or another. And then we'll read a book! I'm so ready to read a fucking book. Give me a book. I would like to know about why Kronos likes... They literally say, oh, a warrior race with time travel, which is very, hmm, thing to say. But it's actually the one saying it. So I think they know. I hope they know. Because, God, if they don't know. If they don't know. This show will open bigger doors to bigger problems than we ever could have imagined. Yep. yep. Also, apparently Cornwell's just like anti-section 31 this episode again, so that happens. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with any of that. Yep. Right. That's the podcast. We're done. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Oh, wait. One wait, last thing. One last thing. The thing that the maybe the funniest thing in this episode is everyone has a very weird, sad moment where the person who's replacing Arium comes on board and it's the <laughs> lady who played Arium in season one. Is it this, is it that lady? Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> they recast so for season two. That's so funny. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I am surprised they just it's just a random girl. Like I guess it being yep. that lady makes sense, but you know. You can you can put anyone on the bridge. I guess it shows that they don't think she's going to be a character. Yep. Where's Jet Reno? Where the fuck is Jet Reno? Getting different paychecks, I guess. Yep. We didn't even mention any of the stuff about her mum for real. <laughs> what they work for Section Thirty One? I don't know. What do you want? I mean that like we don't know anything. Like they play the parents thing as such a big mystery and traumatic thing for Burnham, but we've never been made to care about her parents. Like never. They're gonna have a conversation elucidating all this immediately in next episode, so there's no point in talking about this. That's true. All right. Goodbye. 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 Yeah. Uh. Until next week, we'll see you out there. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Just like cute.